Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood Instant Analysis after a 16-10 Sunday night football victory for the Baltimore Ravens against the Cleveland Browns. Jackson throws four interceptions. The Ravens hold the Browns to under 300 total yards in what can only be described as another bizarre football game for the 2020 Twin Ravens. They come out on the winning side of this absolute rock fight at M&T Bank Stadium. And they're the number one seed in the AFC somehow at eight and three. Heading out of week 12. Uh, no RDT tonight. He had some personal business to attend to. So me and Banks will break this down. Just a, another weird game. But my biggest takeaway here is the Ravens defense is starting to come into its own a bit. Against certainly uh, down some weapons. Baker Mayfield's currently hobbled. But let's start defensively before we get to all the Lamar Jackson stuff. I mean, a tremendous performance in all phases from the Ravens defense tonight. Yeah, they brought the heat tonight. Uh, you know, Adafi Owe came out of the gate pretty hot there the first month of the season, and then kind of cooled off. But he was a weapon tonight. I mean, he was all over the place, sniffing around strip sacks, and then he had two strip. Did he get the strip sack on the Landry play? He did. He had two strip sacks um, that resulted in turnovers. It's like he's the player that I think we've been craving pretty much since Terrell Suggs left. Um, you know, year after year where the draft would come around and, and it's tough to pick edge rushers, you know, late in the first round. And, and we found one there and, and years past that they weren't really there on the board for us. And that was a, you know, a source of frustration for a lot of people when it came on draft night, when we just wouldn't get edge rushers and we end up with, ironically, I think, you know, Tyus Bowser was a second rounder and it didn't look like he was the guy for a couple of years. And now he's playing awesome too. You know, he was the, the second best Raven tonight. I thought, and, and, uh, and I, I don't know, like the, the broadcast got into it a little bit um, at a certain point, but I think one of the massive stories here tonight, or at least the good things we can take away is we haven't seen the run defense play like that in a long time. Not that they've been terrible, but they've really, you know, they've really dominated what's supposed to be the next best rushing attack in the NFL. I mean, those running backs, got absolutely bottled up. They had their, you know, both their guys at just about full go and and the Ravens, you know, down Clyde's Campbell, they dominated the line of scrimmage. They were tremendous. And that's a great sign to see as we head into these colder games and these AFC North games or running the football is such an important piece of the puzzle. Um, it's given what we, what, you know, we can get into this in a minute here, given what the offense seems to have at its disposal, defense is going to need to step up in a big way and they have the last couple of weeks albeit against not great offenses but still they've done everything we've asked for them and that's why we've come out ahead the last two weeks well I think they did exactly what they needed to do in this game which was essentially make Baker Mayfield's arm beat them over the course of four quarters and the Browns really aren't in this game without a lot of the offensive mistakes the Ravens made because offensively they really could get nothing going throughout it as you said, OA was fantastic. I think Collinsworth did a great job throughout the broadcast, sure, showing you why Tyus Bowser's good in the variety of different things that he does. And I think that was a nice feature for him to get in such a big stage because not a lot of people know who he is outside of the radius of the Baltimore Ravens fan base. Mm -hmm. um, and he was tremendous. I think that you have to give a lot of credit to the, the guys in the middle too, Brandon Williams, Justin Matabuke, all those guys really allowed – you saw Patrick Queen fly around to the football a lot tonight, and part of the reason yeah. he's able to do that is because of how well, you know, the the, the front four, front three guys played tonight. Um, which, as you said, 
the Ravens have the second best run defense in the league by yards allowed. It's, mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like they've played that well all year. And I think part of the reason that stat exists is because people are just throwing the ball in the Ravens all year. So they're just not yeah. running it because you can just get chunk yardage. But the Ravens were fantastic in one-on-one coverage as they brought you know, eight guys into the box to try to stop the run. And they broke it down, you know, refer back to the NBC broadcasting, which I think did a great job. I thought the NBC broadcast was really good tonight. They were just saying, like, this is what the Ravens are going to do every single first down. And if Baker Mayfield can't throw and beat them, they, there's nothing they can do. They, they, or unless, you know, Nick Chubb or, or Kareem Hunt makes a great play. Um, and I thought they executed in all those roles. Um, I think you saw what makes people excited about Patrick Queen, how athletic he is how he can fly around like that. And he can do that when they're doing a great job up front. Um, I was just impressed with how the Ravens played up front, both in rushing and passing situation. Cause as you said, they got a lot of pressure without having to really, they set blitzes. Obviously that's, you know, what a lot of the, the, the defense is predicated on and what Wink Martindale wants to do, but did a better job getting pressure with four than I think they have a lot in a lot of these games. So yeah. And I, I think performance for sure. And, and one of the biggest storylines um, as you look at the season, the narrative of the season as a whole is, is that that switch from for Patrick Queen from the Mike linebacker, who has a lot of responsibility in terms of, you know, giving out assignments and reading the uh, offenses and, and, and those types of things versus Will, where the Will position where he's just flying to the ball. He's just not thinking. He's just, you know, doing. He's just reacting. And he's just he's such a quick and freakish individual in terms of what he's able to do. And I think simplifying the game for him where he can just see ball and chase ball is the best thing that could have happened for him. And it's changed the defense, I think, in a big way, especially when it comes to the run game. And then when he said about Tyus Bowser too, he does so many things that, and these are things he, he excelled at last year and the year before um, he covers so well. And, and we had that sequence there with four, four incompletions. They might've caught the one on fourth and 10 there to finish the game. I, I couldn't tell if he fumbled it or if it was actually incomplete, but um he blanketed a couple guys there enforcing completions. Um, so he's he's doing things on the line of scrimmage and the in the offensive backfield and coverage. Like he's he's an all-around stud. And uh the contract we signed him for, I think I've said this at least once in an instant analysis. Like it's one of the best contracts we have on our books right now. That is it's it's our best contract that's not a rookie contract, I would say. Like he's earned every dollar of well, I think it was like three years, 15 million total. So yeah. Yeah, he dropped back on that fourth down, and and and, and Joku caught it. But I mean, Joku's an athletic, giant guy, and, and he was had him blanketed right. in the end of the game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, they saw there was a lot of questions over whether he was potentially like, you know, the, the, does he even see his way through? Like, is he the guy that can kind of step up and 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 be a really big time defensive star? And he has emerged into that. His emergence is a huge part of, I think the Ravens defense coming into its own as they've gone through the year, or at least the last few weeks where they played very, very well. Yeah. And the core, the correlation with, with queen moving over as well. Um, just the unit as a whole, could you think of hardly any times tonight where we missed a tackle and you got real frustrated about, Oh man, like we let them get a couple, there's maybe a couple plays where, um, where cream hunt maybe picks up, picked up an extra four or five, um, between the tackles just because of tackling. Like, if that's your only complaint, like, you're doing great when it comes to tackling. And the game, the game kind of came down to that pursuit on that play where he was, in, he was co- he covered well, but 
it was, hey, are you going to make a tackle when the game's on the line? We made a tackle. And that seemed to be our tackling as a whole has really improved by just so many margins over the last handful of weeks. And um, again, it's just another example that, um, of this defense turning a corner at the right time with the, with the way that the game's going to be played here with the weather and outdoor stadiums and all those things like this, it couldn't happen at a better time. Yeah. I think like the second play of the game was, you know, queen blew up the run um, up the middle of the run blitz. And that kind of was the tone setter for his entire night. I mean, that is how he played throughout, got hurt a little bit, had to come out, came back in. Um, and, and I think Chuck Clark was good in run support too. Collinsworth pointed out his, some of his contributions a couple of times. Um, and he's obviously had to step up with no Deshaun back there with him. Yes. Uh, to, I, I, signal. I, 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 I feel that you're about to transition to offense here as go right ahead. So, so I'm going to make two, two little things that were just like frustrating defensively. Um, Chuck Clark dropping that pick. I mean, that was all. You got like, yeah, you you to gotta have it. You yeah, got to yeah. have it. Yeah. And holy shit. I, did I just forget what the other one was? Oh my God. Especially when John Johnson made one of the best picks I've ever seen turning on that for the fourth pick Lamar threw. That was, an it was a good play. pick. Chris Collinsworth might've pumped the tires on that a tad bit, but he it, was, it was a great play. He said, but it was, it was, a, it was the impressive part of it to me oh, was not like the catch he made. It was the fact that he didn't commit interference on the play. Cause you see so many times the receiver comes back and the DB can't turn. And the fact that he turned all the way. Deep, right. Or can't find it. Well, he kind of put it on a platform. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mark kind of knocked it into his hands, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, we're, I, I tweeted this, we're the worst scoop, uh, scoop and score team in the history of football. Like if there's a ball on the ground and it's there to be had uh, with opportunity to, to scoop it and, and move and take it the other way and, and make something of it, um, just cannot get a clean bounce or we just can't get underneath the ball and, and do it cleanly. It could just, what, maybe it's just a microcosm of this season. Uh, like fumble luck is a big thing when it comes to analytics and and, you know, one of those variance things that you just can't really control, but God damn it. Can we just scoop one of these and, and house it for God's sake? You would think at one point that's going to happen. Yeah. And it looked so prime when that ball just fell out of Baker's hands. It just felt like someone was just going to grab that thing and go. Cause there were not a lot of people back there to make a play for. Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they just could not get their hands on the football, but at least they recovered it though. That's yeah. something that has also improved if it's a thing that you improve on, but yeah. Yeah. Could have had a couple. I... The story of the success of the night here, the Ravens offense, uh, an incredibly mixed bag of excitement and, and just disappointment and some good drives and some just, very, very tame three and outs. Lamar Jackson, 20 of 32 for 165, a touchdown and four interceptions. Two of them, the middle two, were atrocious. I mean, and there's really no other way to say it. I mean, I think, you know, we try to do a good job. Lamar, you know, gets unfairly bashed for some things. Those throws were the, – the, 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 I mean, he didn't even see Delpit on the second one. And then the third one – I mean, I don't know what he's looking at there. He just threw it to the def- – I mean, he just threw it to the defensive back. He, or, or I can't remember who made the play. Yeah, I think it was a just a zone defense where you – where the, you have the, to the, the, 
the route is to run to the space and the space is very obviously to Andrew's right shoulder and not the left shoulder and Lamar threw in and not out. And it's just, what are you looking at? Like, are you looking at the coverage? Like what's happening here? He also keeps the Ravens in the game by throwing an incredible touchdown pass to Mark Andrews on a play. He had absolutely no business making. He, it is, it was some of the microcosm of the greatness that he is and also the most maddening parts of him were at times on display tonight. Sometimes, a lot of times, a lot of times during his career, we have gotten, you know, 95% of the good and 5% of the bad or 99% of the good and 1% of the bad. Mm -hmm. He showed off some of like the, oh my God, what is going on um, in the passing game that we really haven't seen a ton of like all, he's thrown interceptions here. We haven't seen a ton of like awful, awful decisions. I, I feel like the two yeah. in the middle and that they kept Cleveland in the game. I mean, because they were doing a lot of praising of Lamar throughout, because that's kind of what you do in the broadcast, I feel like, when you mm-hmm. – And finally, Tariq yeah. was like – I mean, he's also the only reason the Browns are in the game, which was right. Like, if you don't turn the ball over four times, if they don't get the ball four times from, from Lamar, like, they have no shot. They just had no shot to continue to get the ball. So – I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a weird. We, we, we were hoping that they would break out a little bit. Obviously there's a lot of talent on that Browns defense. Certainly not, you know, an easy unit to break through. You have Garrett and you have Klein and all these different guys. I just thought that, 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 you know, the turnovers were the biggest thing. I mean, the Ravens had some sustained drives one they couldn't, you know, punch in um, that I, you know, in the first half that I think maybe, maybe made the game a little bit different. Yeah, the false start by Zietler on the goal line there in fourth and two on a drive that we should have already punched it in on. Um, Even Lamar Lamar missed uh, Andrews on that throw downfield on that drive. Yep. Um, That was certainly there. Um, And, you know, was another frustrating piece of it is, you know, like you said, we know that these Cleveland, they're they're front four with with Miles Garrett. I mean, geez, that guy is ridiculous. Um, And uh, Clowney and, and, these guys, you knew they were going to be in the backfield and pressuring Lamar Jackson, especially given our offensive line woes. And the interceptions were on plays with clean pockets for the most part. Like he had set his foot in the ground and made a throw with confidence, and it was a confidently bad decision um, or bad throw. And that's scary. I mean, I, it was an alarming statistic. I think it was Jonas Schaefer put it out there. Uh, three interceptions on five pass attempts. Two years ago in his MVP season, he went 220 pass attempts without throwing any interceptions. I mean, yeah, you're not going to get that type of production on a consistent – I mean, that's an absurd amount, 220 pass attempts, but, like, just to reel them off in in quick fashion like that, like, you almost – it's alarming, but it's also, like, a little bit relieving that, like, somehow we were able to win a game despite of that. And hopefully that's just like one of those misnomers that you just, you just, you know, burn the tape on. You just, I don't know. I don't know. But the, the interceptions are alarming. They're, they're starting to pile up on the year. It's up to what? I think he's got 12 now. 12? That's close to the NFL lead, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, they, I mean. The, and can I tell the you the discussion that's over? The Lamar Jackson MVP discussion. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, the other concerning thing is that um, the the throws that I can remember him making in the last couple of years that 
resemble the throws he made tonight have been against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's exactly who they see next week. And then they see this stupid Browns team after a bye the following week. So like, I don't, it seems like every single week we have to come for 60 minutes of just seeing what the hell this team has in store for us. Like every week there's something to watch where it's like, all right, like, you know, who is this team who like, it's just, there's constant, constant question marks and never any answers. And if there's ever answers, uh, just new questions are coming to surface over and over and over. It's, it is truly incredible that this is the number one seed in the AFC right now. Like if we're being honest, I mean, I mean, I, you know, you know, we're, we're, we're a Raven show, so we are going to lean Ravens, but this is not a team you watch every week that looks like week to week, the num the best team in the AFC. They just don't. Now, are they impressive in phases? Are they unbelievably resilient and tough? 1000%. Oh my God. They might be the toughest team in the league. Like, and that, that can get you places like that can win you a lot of games and that can get you to the, like, if, if, if the, you know, consistency of the play gets up to where they are from a resiliency perspective. I mean, look, Lamar could have, that could thing could have spiraled, could have totally spiraled, you know, three picks in the first half, you move in and it's like, ah, oh, man, I just don't have it tonight, blah, blah, blah. And he, yeah. you know, the final drive, I mean, they salted the game away and he had multiple plays that he made that were, you know, in the run game and the pass game where he gets you to the finish line. It's just, it's just, and maybe it speaks to the AFC and what the AFC is right now, but man, I mean, for the Ravens to be eight and three with how all this has gone and the conversation that now has to happen from an award perspective is John Harbaugh from coach of the year, because what they're dealing with week to week and the amount of guys they have out, you know, Clay's Campbell out tonight, run defense, incredible, you know, they, the, the way he's patched this together, I think is getting maybe a little lost nationally. And hopefully, you know, I'm sure the Ravens will go in the full PR blitz for it, but it's impressive that they are eight and three based on how some of these games have gone based on, you know, the injury luck based on a variety of different factors. Um, yeah. They had to so scheme, that- scheme their way around the fact that their left tackle was turnstile the entire night too. So, I mean, there, you could look and grade Greg Roman's performance tonight in a million different ways. It could be, you could, there's, you could say there's tons of positives, say there's tons of negatives. Um, it's, tough, it's tough to say. And, and then when your quarterback makes throws the way he did, it's like, yeah. okay, like how much can you really fall? I mean, geez, I thought that if the interceptions were bad, I thought the next closest thing that Lamar did poorly was that, and it was incredible to me, the NBC broadcast didn't do any replays or I think they were talking to Lisa Salters when the play happened, but. Oh, Catherine Tappen tonight, actually. Catherine Tappen. My yeah. apologies. No, hey. um, first and 10 at her own like 15 and Lamar rolls out left and the, he has three guys open is Ricard at the line of scrimmage. He's got Andrews at the first down marker, and he's got, for whatever reason, Tylen Wallace is in the game and wide open, 15 yards downfield, and Lamar just misses him. But you couldn't tell because the, the camera angle with the sideline, you couldn't quite see him not make the catch. Um, but it they, apparently it was just incomplete, and they never showed a replay of it. And I was like, 
what the fuck was that? I mean, it was, yeah, it was a horrible throw. It was the most open we had anybody the entire night, and Lamar missed him. And I thought he had airmailed Andrews, to be honest. Um, but another thing that I think might come to fruition after the, you know, these press conferences or whatever that are ongoing, but I haven't really seen it. But Rashad Bateman got hardly any run in the fourth quarter there where like Tylen Wallace being in on first and 10 on a key um, key drive where the goal is to milk the clock and move the football, him having that opportunity and not Rashad Bateman is very weird to me. Um, so I don't know if anyone's talking about that really, but um, yeah, just that play for whatever reason, just very, very weird. Yeah. I think that it kind of, it summed up a little bit of his night. Um, like Matt at, at times, as I said, you know, mad maddening to watch and at times spectacular. Um, I, it's usually talking about Greg Roman. I, this, this felt like Greg Roman at times was getting a lot of it, right. It's his guys kind of let him down to a certain extent. Um, I didn't feel like the decision-making and the play calling was holding the Ravens back in some ways. Maybe the criticism has been, at other times, um, especially when you, you you take into account all those turnovers. Um, I, I continue to think that it's clear that, you know, Devontae Freeman is the guy that gives the Ravens the best chance. Mm-hmm. And he, at this point, he at this point has kind of just become the lead back. 16 carries tonight, Lamar had 17. Latavius Murray with eight. Uh, Tyson Williams from the dead had a carry as well. Um, and, and, and Devontae Freeman's running hard and good for him. Yeah. It's, it's not like the most impressive thing to watch, but he, he, on that final drive, did a very nice job. Did a very, I, very nice job. He, he makes great cuts. And even more than that, sometimes I think, I think he has some of the best breaks of any running back I can remember. Like when he's sprinting towards the sideline, towards the edge, and he just wants to kind of hit the breaks and then cut inward and uh, pick up another two or two or three he's able to put a foot in the ground and just come to a stop and then just move forward, put his head down and get those extra yards in an interesting way. Like it's always close to the sideline. And then like you said, on that last drive, there was a play, I think it was to the left where he, he just cut back in both because it was the right time and the right place to make that cut. But also it seemed very deliberate to steer the play back towards the middle of the field and, don't even take the, you know, put the out of bounds into the equation. I mean, we saw what happened with uh, Auburn yesterday. Um, so yeah, just an opportunity to learn, relearn that lesson, but it, he, he, he picked up, I think nine yards, which if he gets the first down new set of downs and like you kind of restart that clock of what we can chew off by not getting the first down, you get an easy first down on the next play and then the game's over. Or not yeah, over. It didn't wasn't over, but like he was able to chew off another couple minutes because of the way that that kind of played out. Yeah, he seems to now, you know, be the guy. He seems to now be the guy moving forward. God, let me tell you what, when we do these this late, I could not I, I'm surprised I get full sentences out at this point. <laughs> um the, the other the other aspect, you know, we always I feel like when we do these, you know, we talk through the two phases. The Ravens special teams put on a clinic tonight. I mean, in a game like that, when you play perfect special teams, that gives you a much better chance. That to was win. the difference. Justin Tucker, Justin Tucker did what he did. Sam Cook 
did what he did, and the Ravens' coverage teams were fantastic. They, yeah. they were just flying down the field. The fly down. I know the special teams not the most exciting thing to talk about, but flying, flying. We down the field. we the, the entire complexion of the game was different because of Tucker making his field goal and their guy missing his goal in the game. Was, yeah, McLaughlin and then even the one he made, you know, it's off the upright like that. That can't instill a lot of confidence in a coach and a team to put you back out there for another kick should that situation had come up. Um, so, I mean, also 49 and 52 from Tucker and he had the 25 yarder as well, but, um, those two kicks were absolutely pure. Like I can't, like, I don't think you could hit a field goal more right down the middle. Um, I, I, I love, I, it's, it's probably stupid for most people. I love the NBC projected distance. Thing. Yep. I think it's like one of the best <laughs> things that I had to broadcasters do. And the 49-yard one just going, like, perfectly through the middle and then just flashing good from 64 was such a satisfying thing to look at. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, and maybe that's only a Ravens fan thing at this point because you have clearly the best kicker in the league, and it's just so fun to watch him. Um, but it, that was just great. Just a big smile just creased my face. It had that green 64, good from 64 yards. <laughs> I mean, that thing was absolutely banged. He's incredible. And as you said, yeah, I mean – it's got to give them so much confidence in close games to be like, all right, we just need to get to the spot. And this guy is putting in every time. Not that, you know, Tucker obviously made the kick late to make it 16 to 10, but there was just no doubt that was going in. Just no doubt. that. Yeah. And I think we had, we had like a fourth and nine at the opponents 45 or so. And I I remember seeing an incomplete pass um, where Tucker was just like, he was lurking in the sideline in such a way that if like we had gotten maybe five yards to get to the 40 and a 57 yarder was like, he looked so ready to just get out there and kick. Like he just loves getting out there. And I don't know, there's just a demeanor. He he just has a whole vibe going. Yeah. There's no doubt. He was tremendous. I I feel like we don't normally, normally touch on the special teams in this, but in a game like that, you know, where, you know, little mistakes are giving, a team like the Browns that just could not drive the ball down the field, you know, a couple yards here, a couple yards there, not making Mike, field goals. Mike Tirico made a mistake on the long snapper conversation on yes. that late kick. Yes, if you did. caught that, I did catch that. I did That's him just re- reading his uh, his sheet book and it's saying second year player for Nick Moore and him just assuming he's had the starting job for two years. Yeah, Mad disrespect true. to not giving Morgan Cox that extra year of. As the number one, as the number one long snapping podcast in the country, that was a, a tough. Then Tariko then Tariko takes a shot at the entire state of Ohio at the end. Harbaugh's two Ohio zero this weekend. What a way to sign it off. That was always what a way. What a way to sign it off from Tariko. Um, by the way, I have to take one major major shot at the NBC broadcast, and I think you know what I'm going to say. You cannot continue to come to Baltimore and show power plant live as one of the main, <laughs> of the main landmarks in the city, literally show anything else. The one like, person who was walking through the shot. Goes show, show anything else, any, anything, anything like I, sh- I mean, first of all, you could just show Camden yards, which is sports relevant. And you know, the trend setting baseball stadium of the 21st century. But to just like do the walkthrough of Power Plant Live as like a, like 
no, like, no, no. And they keep doing it. They keep doing it. Here's the, we, we should do a starting. Here's five the Jimmy seafood kitchen starting five here's, of, of promo here's shots. A mon- like, yeah, here's a monument and here's power plant. I don't know why they keep doing that. Oh, the inner Harbor <laughs> to show it right by the inner Harbor. It's M and T bank stadium. Fair. Absolutely. Right on. They got the aquarium. Shout out, great job by Jimmy seafood. Show the Jimmy's crabs, show the Jimmy's crab cake. Good for them. Show the aquarium. It's a great aquarium. One of the best aquariums. Don't show the tourist trap like freaking place from, you know, like, you know, that's just built with bars in it. Like go to any other place with bars in Baltimore. I just figure it out, figure it out. Where's Lexington market? Yeah. One time. Cross anything? street markets closer to the stadium. It's yeah, right it down is. the street. Like it is. Yeah. The lovely renovation they've done. You know there. the horseshoe casino. I don't care. Just do, <laughs> do not do not show PowerPoint Live. Sorry to anybody that works there that listens to this that has any stake in it that likes going there. Not a landmark, not a Baltimore landmark. Not Which a publicly traded company. So mm, there you have it. There you absolutely have it. Yeah. Other than that, NBC, Welcome. great job. Fuck them. Talking very nicely about talking very nicely about Baltimore, blah, 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 Tariqo and Collinsworth. But God, I just I, I I was just visibly upset as I was sitting here watching it. Uh, as you said, by the way, NFL since 2015, teams throwing four interceptions, 0 and 52 in the regular season and the postseason. Um, I think that the also the statistic was uh the last time a team did win was 2013 and it was Joe Flacco against the Bengals. That yeah, I in, saw the regu- that in the regular season, in the, the regular, regular season. season. So okay. in the, the 2014 NFC championship game um, was the, it was in the playoffs in the playoffs. That was the last time a team won with that, but yes, in the regular season. Yeah. That would have been Russell Wilson, huh? Russell Wilson, correct. Russell Wilson against Green Bay. Packers and the, the outside kick game. Yeah. Or whatever that was. They won in overtime, if I remember if I remember remembering correctly. Didn't didn't wasn't there a guy who like botched the the onside kick for the Packers? They just hit him right in the chest. I don't remember the game. I only I remember I worked a, we had a, a basketball game or something in College Park, and I ended up at a Buffalo the Buffalo Wild Wings in College Park for like the overtime. But I don't really remember. I just lovely. remember I just remember the last catch. I don't I don't remember anything else about the game. Mm. Um. So yeah, d- very hard to win with four interceptions, <laughs> and that's the Lamar Jackson experience right there. Um, yep. You any other any other takeaways from this one? And we'll we, I feel like it'd be remiss not to discuss the officiating. Yes. You know, you don't want to make it about that. And it would have been uh, as I wait here, cause the connection is a little choppy and I'm just kind of biding my time and it's okay. Oh yeah. Oh course, yeah. We're here. We're connection's oh, yeah. good. Um, cross state yeah. right now, cross state right now. So you just never know how the connection is going to yeah, be. Yeah. Time zones even. Um, no. Yeah. The officiating. Um, what is there to say? Uh, the uh, the review on the the touchdown obviously is the one that sticks out the most. Um, sure looked like it bounced. Sure did. I mean, from multiple angles, even the one that was like the one that eh, like there's pellets coming off the turf. It looked like, um, and and besides that, like you you get this impression that in a call like that, they they 
go with the touchdown is the call on the field because they want to have the opportunity to review it without having a team have to risk the flag. And also there, there should be some sort of way for the officials to say, Hey, didn't have a good angle of this. I don't know what the call is. And we are going to review it with no call on the field as our initial call. Like that. I think that's worth worthy of some discussion from somebody. It might be the next, that might be the next evolution of like the sky judge. Yeah. There should be just like a neutral call. Like there's just no call. And then we're going to watch a replay and figure out what the call should be. And then I, that is a whole can of worms. I understand that because then you're going to get into like, how do you how do you really nail down with one way or another? And I, but I think anyone with eyeballs would look at that play and say, that's not a catch. I mean, in real time, I was like, you don't really think he caught that, did you? Because the way he he gathered and throws low, and I mean, he did a hell of an effort to to make it as close to a looking catch as possible. Um, but come on, and then. The, this obviously bugged me a bit, um, but the uh, I felt like Justin Houston and a couple other guys were getting tugged a little bit, and then the Browns guys would tug, and then they'd like release like just before it was obvious enough to be obvious, cannot not throw a flag there. And then Ben Powers getting that holding call on him um, was devastating. I mean, it, it crushed that drive that looked like a, a game-winning drive that turned out not to necessarily be one. Um, and I just thought that the level of, uh, of holding the entire night was just one way. And then they just changed the script there at the end. Like it was very suspect. It was an interestingly officiated game. I think kind of summed up by that entire sequence in the first half with the punt and the 12 and on the field, how Cleveland called the timeout to get out of the 12 oh, on the yeah. field penalty and then still committed the 12 on the field penalty <laughs> is one of the most unbelievable things I think I've seen in the NFL. Like they called a specific, they, they wasted a timeout. And I think McCauley said it right, that they should have gotten the option to sub and not have had to have called that timeout and gotten their guy off the field, but they didn't even know they had, I don't think they, I don't, just don't think they knew it was going on. No. And then they go, they call the timeout and they're like, they have the shot on Stefanski and Collinsworth goes, they still have 12 men on the field and I don't know what they were doing. Like, I don't, it just, yeah, they, 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 yeah, they did. I, we've, we talked about that, the Ravens, the Browns played for the most part. I mean, I think their defense played well in some spots. They looked awful. Like the yeah. offense looked bad. They didn't look that well coached in a lot of the game. Um, and it didn't oh. feel like at times, even though they had success defensively, they were doing a lot of the things that allowed a lot of teams to be successful last few weeks against Lamar, you know, some of the heavy blitzing and things like that, but they didn't need it because Lamar made some horrible decisions and was just giving them the ball back. But um, yeah, another officiating thing, a, Owe put Conklin on his ass there, which was maybe because of this, probably because of the injury that he, he was, was yeah, playing with and then he got hurt again, but Owe had a clear run at the quarterback once he finished that, that, block and he got shoved directly in the numbers like it's one thing when there's a, a, a should be penalty and it's just in a place where it's like oh it's just in the mix there and it's easy to miss when a when a guy puts a guy on his ass it draws everyone's eyeballs to it and then he's got a clear run of the quarterback who's five feet away from him for him to get shoved there and for that not to be called like it's 
it's kind of mind numbing and it's weird. It's weird to get a block in the back call in an offensive backfield, but that was just so blatant in my eyes and it wasn't called and, and they, they should have had a field goal out of that, but the guy missed. I wouldn't say it was the greatest. And there were some great as edge rushers on display. So no disrespect to the, some of the tackles that played in this game, not exactly a dominant performance by either team's tackles in this game. Uh, yeah. I mean, NBC Macari, Macari and Villanueva were dealing with Jadavian Clowney and, and Miles Garrett. That's a tough assignment. I mean, that is, that's a tough assignment, but um, yeah, not, not, not an incredible, there was a lot of, lot of clear runs off the edge tonight. It was remarkable because the NBC was right to Rico and Collinsworth were right to like play up this whole Lamar, Miles Garrett. It was almost as if that, you know, Lamar is a point guard and, and Miles Garrett's coming out to defend him at the top of the key. That was almost the impression you got. And it was almost like Alejandro Villanueva didn't even exist. And of course, like them, him going essentially through three guys, Mark Andrews chipped him on his way out and then, Garrett still got to got to Lamar on that first set of downs. Like that was pretty eye-opening. Um, so it's just again, like I, I mentioned earlier in this podcast, um the inability to block, especially on that left side with Villanueva, is completely changing. It's handcuffing um Greg Roman's ability to scheme things up in this offense. And um another thing, little thing with Lamar, and I was talking to my friend uh, Bobby about this during the game because He's in the hospital with kidney stones. Mm, you believe yeah. that? We send our ridiculous man. I'm texting on that during the game, and we're just talking about like, hey, like these guys are out of sync when it comes to when you can't block and create a, a pocket consistently. You have to scheme up short passes, quick passes, um, creative things around the line of scrimmage. And Lamar, like that throw he missed to Tyson Williams out in the flat, like that just looks like two guys on two different pages in terms of where the person should be or where a throw should be. In a given moment, like Lamar looked like he was trying to throw him upfield and Williams kind of like ran a bit of a rounder route. It's just it's one of those things that opens my eyes to the idea that Lamar missing all of these practices actually might be making a bigger impact than I thought. Because so every week I see like, oh, Lamar's out of practice, illness, you know, whatever. Uh, I just kind of say, oh, no, that's good. Like we just save his legs, you know, keep him fresh. Lamar's at a place where he, you know, might not need as much practice. That's not that I, I'm, that's not true. Like he needs to be out there with these guys and, and getting the flow and the rhythm correct. And uh, hopefully that we just don't see him on the injury report whatsoever this week. Yeah. I mean, you could attribute some of the Bateman stuff to that. I mean, how he hasn't played that much with Bateman still. Yeah. Like if they're not practicing a lot and they haven't played in games that much together, that's a relationship that still has to build. He, by the way, caught all four of his targets. So good for him. Um, Ravens back in action next week. Uh, I just, the, the, uh, the Browns by the Ravens to buy the Ravens thing continues to just baffle me in the scheduling. Um, Ravens at the Steelers, 425 Steelers. I don't know how much he caught that game. Steelers looked absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrible. They look like the team that I have believed they are all season. Um, so we'll we'll break that down in the show this week. Obviously, the, a rivalry week again for the Ravens. As you've said, there have been some dicey Lamar Jackson performances against the Steelers. We shall see if that continues. Big Ben looks, and I say this, maybe he will 
rise from the dead. He looks washed, washed. So we shall see if that continues. Um, I'm excited to talk about that part. I'm excited. We will get to that. Yeah, we will get to that on this week's show. RDT will be back with us. Um, But the Baltimore Ravens, after 16-10 win tonight, are the number one seed in the AFC at 8-3. And you know what? If you'd given us that before the year, despite the roundabout way we've taken to get there, you would take that here leaving week 12. So that's all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. We'll see everyone this week for the normal show. Um, thanks. Thanks for joining me. Can't wait to have you back here in Maryland. You've been gone. You've been gone forever. So I have. I great have, to have. Wisconsin's treated me well, but I'm ready to come home. It'll be great to have you. I do have to do one thing. Uh, now I have to look at my phone and make sure I get who DM'd me this correct. Um, Michael Wright, Michael J underscore Wright. Oh, yeah. D- DM'd me. I know Sundays are always for the Ravens recaps, but the Calvert Hall guarantee needs to be addressed at some point. I will address it now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, congrats to Ola. They won their, you know, first in, you know, second in like 12 years and their first in six. They probably will win another one for another decade. Um, Calvert Hall couldn't tackle. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah, but, I got to chime but, in with Jim Jimbo's incident analysis as well. Um, sure. I, I text tough, him. Tough day. Tough day for us, Hall man. On Thursday. I text. I text him at about one o'clock on Thursday after the loss. I said, "You guys blew it, huh?" And he said, "Yup, choking dogs." Ooh, tough. Yeah, yeah. They're just kids, Jimbo. They're just kids, Jimbo. They just kids. Like this is a high school football game that means a lot to a lot of people. But you're just kids. It, it, some things are bigger than sports. All right, you don't need to go after these kids and what they do. But fuck, <laughs> fuck. Um. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, Loyola for our Loyola listeners, come, come back to the A conference. Like you got scared. You left because St. Francis was there. Everyone got all in a tizzy, whatever. They're a national program. Now call them back up to the A conference and play with the big boys. All right. For the entire year, you looked like a team that you beat the A conference champions. So clearly you can play in the A conference. This could not be more inside private school, Baltimore stuff here. So, so shout out to Calvert Hall for winning the championship. And shout out to all of our listeners for coming on. It's 16-10 win for the Ravens. Banks, appreciate, appreciate you as always. We'll see the listeners next week. This is the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood.